Hello, my AOWs. Welcome back to the show. Today I'm podcasting from my bedroom because the podcast room is still under construction. Today I'm going over what's on the menu at the upcoming Ish Wish meeting that I am attending. And in fact, I'm literally flying to today. Ish Wish, if you don't know, is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. Yes. I'm going to a three-day meeting all about sexual health. I'm presenting tomorrow and I'm going to be telling you what is on the menu just so you also know what experts in this field are going to be talking about and learning about. So if you're interested, join me for today's show. Hi, and welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Okay, I make no strong promises on the acoustics of this episode. That's just because I've been spoiled podcasting from my cedar closet for the last several episodes. And every time you move your podcasting gear, you notice that something's off. So the sound coming back to my ear is a little different than it usually is. But nevertheless, we proceed. So Ishwish is a society that I feel very, very strongly about such an exciting community. And we literally have the most fun at annual conferences. I'm sure you know Kelly Casperson. I'm sure you know Rachel Rubin. I'm sure you know Doe Craft. If you don't know any of those folks, we're all friends in real life. And a lot of us have Instagram uh, profiles and talk a lot about sexual health. Um, uh, Those three docs in particular, I'm so, so honored that they're my friends, um, you know, have amazing thriving businesses and they're all so deeply embedded into sexual health. And I learned so much from them. As a menopause doctor, even during my fellowship training, yes, I learned a lot about sexual health because sexual health issues just come with the territory of midlife and menopause and have a lot to do with hormones. And so it's something I end up talking about on a daily basis. But what I love about, uh, for example, like say Kelly, I bet she's actually even listening to this, has no idea I'm talking about her, right? She dives so deep into all of the uh, psychological aspects of sexual health. Uh, She dives deep into um, so many just other areas. I mean, she talks a lot about hormones and genotier syndrome of menopause, but her book, You Are Not Broken is awesome. I absolutely highly recommend it because there's just so much, much more to sexual health, right? And, and Dr. Rubin, you know, kudos for being in the New York Times and really raising awareness. I just have so much love for her energy because I feel like I have the same energy. And as women, we were always kind of told we have to be meek and quiet and professional and blah, blah, blah. And she's just like clitoris, clitoris here, clitoris there. It's the clitoris. That's what we call it. <laughs> she was the one who was like, you have to tell your daughter that it is a vulva. You know, not everything is not a vagina. And definitely we don't say private parts, but... She's like, no, you teach that it is the vulva, right? And what I love about Jill and Rachel is, you know, and Kelly, but they're surgeons too. And so they also know a lot about anatomy. They also, you know, can can operate and they can help with anatomical mm, pathologies. And, and that's something I, I can't do. You don't want me to do. I'm, I'm not a surgeon. I tried my hand at it. Turns out that I just was like hungry in the operating room and 
you know, lo and behold, if you want the story on that, I think my subscriber only episodes have a lot of stories about why I actually started in OBGYN, but switched into internal medicine. So I'm so lucky to be such a big part of Ishwish. Um, and actually, I am presenting. But I'm going to go over live. Um, I've done this before. I do this a lot when I'm looking at the upcoming menopause meetings and the Ishwish meetings. I'm literally looking at the agenda right now live with you. I'm literally recording. It, my 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 MacBook says Wednesday, March 1st, 9, 18 a.m. If you ever wondered if I batch my podcasts, I do not. I record them almost... Uh, uh, the same, sometimes the same day. Now, obviously when I have guests on, I'm not doing that. Uh, but, um, so today, actually, this is really fascinating today, Wednesday, March 1st, my good friend, Melissa Gallo, um, who also sometimes listens to the show. She does a lot of, um, she's a physical therapist. She's been on my show three times. She hasn't been on it recently, but I'm hoping that actually she's going to be at the meeting and I'm going to bring my mic, my travel mic and see if I can grab her. She, she texted me a couple weeks ago and she said, I'm donating my vulva for the genitopelvic pain course on Wednesday, March 1st. And I'm going to be at the conference. Melissa Gallo, I know from when I lived in Ohio, if you've been an OG fan of just the show, I started my career. Uh, actually, I launched the podcast and sort of all of my social media when I was at the Ohio State Wexner Medical Center. Um, and Melissa just became such a good friend of mine. We knew each other from CrossFit and had kids at the same time. And I said, oh, that's great. And I I think she means her own vulva, her own, her own vulva, not a plastic, not a model. I'm pretty sure her vulva. I'm pretty sure her vulva. I will clarify this with her. And if I could get her on an episode, we will all clarify. But kudos, right? Kudos. In medical school, we do this too. You know, we have um, actresses and, and um, folks help to teach and train clinicians because we need to learn. We need to learn. We need to learn on humans. So I think she's donating her own Volvo. We will ask her. We will ask her. Uh, but this is this is really, really great because what I love about Ishwish and the fact that they have lots of hands-on sessions is that we know that clinicians need a lot more training in sexual health and sexual health is health. That's a direct quote from Dr. Rubin. And if you haven't checked out the New York Times article uh, that featured Dr. Rubin, I, it came out a few months ago um, and it was... I, sorry, live recording. I can't remember what the title of it is, but it's really, really good. It's all about how we haven't studied clitoris, vulva, you know, female sexual health, like we have men's sexual health. It's really, really good. So the conference really kicks off on Thursday. Um, and, uh, the first lesson is, um, going to be um, mental health treatment for sexual dysfunction. Mental health treatment for sexual dysfunction. I'm really excited about this. There's so much about sexual health that is not just, that is not just anatomy and it, it, our bodies are not just, they're not just battery power. Do you flip a switch on and you flip a switch off? Uh, definitely not women. I don't know about men. I stay out of the male territory because I only see women and I only have for at least the last you know, about 10 years, but we know that women are not on off switches. Um, and especially with any type of trauma, PTSD, childhood trauma, uh, violence, uh, so much about uh, sexual function is tied deeply into mental health and any previous traumas, especially with partners. 
So that will be really exciting. That is on Thursday. Um, there is also lots of really cute opening ceremonies and things that I'm, I'm kind of glazing over. Um, ooh, symposium number one is cancer and sexual function. Cancer and sexual function. Uh, this is also really so important. And I, it doesn't have to just be female cancers. It, it is not just breast cancer or ovarian or gynecologic cancer, any kind of cancer that is going to cause side effects, nausea, dry lips, constipation. It'll make you feel really shitty, for lack of better words. It's absolutely going to affect your sexual function. Ties back into also mental health when you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis, yet you still feel like you want to be vibrant and live your life and et cetera. And what are the treatment options? What's safe to use to help women for, for example, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, aka vaginal dryness, with cancer treatments that goes along with it? So that'll be interesting. Uh, the next one is a research symposium of psycho psychological, social, and cultural factors around sexual health. That sounds really, really cool. And then I'm also presenting on Thursday, Difficult Cases in Menopause. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, me and Dr. Jim Simon, he's been a mentor of mine for a really long time, uh, practices in Washington, D.C. Really, you know, gosh, we had a great conversation while we were getting this 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 lesson together. And one of the things he said to me that it really stuck out with me, it resonated, and I did a TikTok on it too, is that, he, you know, men need to be involved in these conversations or should be involved in these conversations. You know, one of the things that mm, we talked about about the recent New York Times article around menopause was that there really wasn't any uh, male voices in there, which you could argue either way on a, on a, on a debate team, right? It's a female issue. But at the same point, I do understand that that is, that is important because men are watching their mothers or their friends or their wives or their partners go through the midlife transition, which in my opinion really is about a decade long, whether it's 45 to 55, whether it's 30 to 40, whether it's 50 to 60, and sometimes beyond that. And their knowledge, their understanding, their acceptance, they're opening their minds to understand that this is something women experience that men don't. It's, it's similar to how they've you know, they, they now men are really becoming a lot more a part of like a pregnancy journey. They know, like, I, I got to go to the, I'm just using an, an example, right? I got to go to the, I should go to the obstetrician's office at least once or twice. I should go to the CPR class. I should get up in the middle of the night and feed the baby also. These are generalizations, but we've seen how that has become more uh, culturally appropriate to do together. So why not the same about menopause? And not just men who are witnesses, but men who are clinicians, who are scientists, who are advocates, who are policymakers. It's all really, really important. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited. Jim Simon is notorious for asking really difficult questions to um, presenters. He's done this to me in the past, and he's just such a, a fun person to have um, uh, and, a, and a great advocate for women's health. Okay, on to Friday, March 3rd. Ahaha. Ah, just what I was looking for. Uh, state of the art clitoris update. 8 a.m. <laughs> 8 a.m. 8 a.m. We're learning about the clitoris update. That's literally what the title of this talk is called clitoris update. So that'll be interesting. Um, next is treating patients with chronic illness and symptoms of menopause. 
So you see menopause come back in and then spine and hips for pelvic specialists. That's a really great one. There's a lot of PTs who present and come to Ishwish just like my friend Melissa Gallo, because pelvic dysfunction, pelvic disorders, pelvic pain, spine disorders, hip disorders, but you name it, they are all interrelated. They're interrelated. And so that will be really, really fun. We have a big day on Friday, desire, arousal, and orgasm, uh, non-drug treatments and medical devices. Hmm, interesting. Uh, gosh, we're up to 11.15. Is sexual arousal synchrony clinically relevant? I don't know what I'll be learning. I will, I will update you as we go. Um, the impact of male penile deformity and treatment on the female partner. That's 1145. Interesting because a, a, a great uh, paper and talk that was done by, I think Cheryl Kingsburg um, a few years ago was on, it takes two to tango. And we can get really lost in, especially at a conference like Ishwish, really thinking about female sexual dysfunction as like female sexual dysfunction. But, you know, if you have a, if you have a partner, be it male or female, doesn't matter. It takes two to tango. And especially if it comes to having a male partner, what are the, what are the impacts that that can have on you? If there is male sexual dysfunction, there is male sexual dysfunction. I am not the one to speak on it because again, I don't see bad, but there is. And how does that impact a woman. Okay. I'm going to learn so much. All right. Let's see. Later on in the day, what else looks interesting? There's another menopause in GSM by Lauren Stryker. She's uh, got her own great podcast and has been, you know, so big in, in menopause and advocating. So that will be good. And I love that menopause and GSM is coming up a lot of times. Um, ooh, there's sex drugs and maybe that's rock and roll. Um, but the use of THC on pleasure and desire, amphetamines, opioids, and psychedelics. Oh, I am super excited. You know, patients tell me, patients tell me some pretty, pretty fun things. As a doctor, you really sometimes, um, I mean, I tell my patients all the time, I learn from them. <laughs> I really do. They're like, have you heard of this over the counter you know, or this device? And I'm like, what? And I'm sitting there Googling, you know, with my patients. But yes, you know, I definitely have heard of microdosing. I've heard of psychedelics. I've heard of, you know, CBD and THC. And, you know, I'm sure Becky Lynn will be presenting. Yes, Becky Lynn is presenting a lot of these. If you don't know Becky Lynn, she also has a great uh, Instagram profile. And she is really so big in sexual function and has done some really great pioneering research on uh, THC, CBD, and uh, effects on sexual pleasure. So I so, so I cannot wait to to listen to that one. All right. Then usually, you know, in the evenings, there's lots of um, meetings and fun dinners you can attend. And hopefully I can snag some time with Rachel. Dr. Casperson, I am uh, aware, is giving a TEDx talk. So she is not going to be attending, which is sad because uh, Kelly lives on the other side of the country. She lives in on the on the on the West Coast, so we don't get to see each other as much. But I will see her soon, I'm sure. Okay, I'm on to Saturday. Looks like there's a lot of interest groups, inflammation and sexual health at 8.30 a.m. Yeah, we take no, there's no time for like, <laughs> there's no time for like a centering. It's just like clitoris 8 a.m. 
inflammation and sexual health, that would be really interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if this will be uh, chronic diseases, um, connective tissue disorders, autoimmune conditions, uh, lichen sclerosis and sexual health. Probably that lichen sclerosis will come up a lot. Um, I see later on Jill Craft is moderating vulvodynia and vestibulodynia. And those are really her specialties is really fine, fine tuning those uh, pain disorders. She, Jill does a lot of stuff. Um, and if you don't already follow these three docs that I talk about a lot in this show and Dr. Becky Lynn and everyone else, go follow them because they're just great. Um, and I'm so excited for that. Um, now, now I really transitioned to telemedicine. Uh, as you know, I'm the chief medical innovation officer at Midi Health and have been doing telemedicine for a really long time. Even when I was at the Brigham, a lot of my patients were telemedicine. Um, but so vulvodynia and vestibulodynia um, and treatment of those is, is in, inappropriate over Zoom. <laughs> so I'm going to learn a lot there. Um, next, we're doing assessing and diagnosing sexual dysfunction. Um, we're doing hormones and immune factors, limitation of sexual research in diverse populations. Good. Yeah. You know, this is the same with, um, with menopause. I, oh gosh, I've had to read my book for like the umpteenth time, which I'm not complaining about, but it is a little, it is, it's, it's, it's a little tiring, mostly because guys like I'll read something and I'm like, oh, I want to add this. I want to like tweak this. And and you can't, once you write a book, it's kind of at some point, like in stone, unless I do an updated edition, a second edition, if we sell billions of copies. Um, but research on menopause and also likely research in sexual health is, is done so much on Caucasian women in the United States. A, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. And that's not okay. It's not okay. It's not going to tell the whole story. It leaves a lot of people unassessed. And when research is biased, the guidelines or the protocols that we develop are also then inherently biased. So we got more work to do there. So that will be really, really nice. Slut shaming and the trusted healthcare provider. Ah, addressing barriers to inclusive and sex positive care. That's really, really great. The business of sexual medicine. Um, let's see, Dr. Rachel Rubin's going to be uh, teaching that. Um, oh, Dr. Raman, she's been on my show as well. We talked a lot about cultural differences in sexual health a couple podcasts back. Oh, my girlies are coming to this. I am so excited. We are all friends in real life. Dr. Juliana Kling, she's also on the show. She's talking on Friday on menopausal hormone therapy, addressing concerns about breast cancer and the risk uh, to close the treatment gaps. So I talk a lot about breast cancer, the real risk of breast cancer. I should probably do a whole nother episode on it. I do feel like I talk about it all the time, but I... Also know that most of you listening or digesting my content aren't following all the same pieces of it that I am. So that's something I could also do. And then the last thing that I see is contraception, abortion, and sexual health. That seems really cool. That kind of wraps up Friday. And then there is sexual medicine care for transgender patients on Sunday, although I will be home. So what a good overview of what the leaders in sexual medicine are going to be learning, talking about, buzzing about. This is a good place to say if you are a healthcare provider, 
I am teaching a course on how to prescribe hormone therapy. If you want to know more about it, send me a DM. I am going to be talking about it on Instagram. I'm at Heather HeatherHirschMD. I'm at HeatherHirschMD across all my platforms. And uh, it will close for enrollment uh, in about another week or so. And the course goes live March 20th. I'm going to be doing about like 10 hours of live teaching on just nuts and bolts of prescribing hormone therapy, difficult cases, hormone therapy for perimenopause. It's open to any healthcare provider. It's really aimed for healthcare providers. It's the nuts and bolts of how to prescribe and change doses. So if you're interested in um, learning about hormone therapy as a lay person, lay woman, um, you know, and just wanting to know exactly what's right for you, then definitely can check out the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass that you can find anywhere. Oh, guys. And lastly, before I go, literally get on a plane. <laughs> Um, my website is getting updated. And if you follow me, um, last week I had to do, I had to do a photo shoot. I had to do a photo shoot. It's really tired. It's really exhausting. It took the entire day from getting my hair done to, you know, makeup and glam and, you know, cleaning my house because we did it at my house. Um, but the pictures came out really nice and I'm so excited for my new website. Uh, my website now is okay, but, um, with uh, all the things coming up this year, I needed top-notch, top-notch, tippity-top, uh, really cool, interactive, exciting, engaging website. So that's coming soon. That's HeatherHirschMD.com. All right, my loves. I cannot wait to see if I can snag Miss Gallo and a bunch of other folks at Ishwish with my portable mic. Have a wonderful week. Thank you guys so much. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. I repeat what you said to me, and I hear it in my ears. I, I look in the mirror, and I say, I'm fine. I've had this for years. It goes away. It's not a big deal. My doctor says I'm fine. So they try that. So just kind of self-talk, visual imagery of being in a quiet, calm place, breathing exercises. So deep breathing can help activate the parasympathetic, calming nervous system. So four deep breaths, breathe in for four seconds hold it, breathe out for four, uh, laying down, having something to drink if you might be dehydrated, meaning water, Gatorade, something like that. Eat if you're hungry because low blood sugar can trigger adrenaline and make these things worse. Um, and then having something on hand to take if you do all those things and it's still bothering you. And sometimes that's a medicine like a beta blocker, which would be something like a penolol or metoprolol in a low dose that your doctor might give you. That works really well. Sometimes it might be magnesium or something called Calm, which is an herbal supplement you could get over the counter that has magnesium and some calming herbs in it. And sometimes if it's, if it's serious and someone might also have an anxiety disorder or have Valium or something like that for when they have a, like a problem that they can't break out of, that's a great option too. Great. So this is a great point that you talked me through, which is when to start medications. And it seems like then if it's something that is affecting your quality of life, it's something seemingly that you can't get good control of over at home, or if it's making you so anxious, you might get to a panic attack level. That's a good level for, even though these are benign, that you might be a candidate for medications. Absolutely. So medicines we sometimes use in cardiology to save lives. And sometimes we use them 
to help symptoms. And this is a case where it might be useful to help symptoms. I'm not gonna prescribe a beta blocker to save someone's life from PVCs because it's not life-threatening, it's not dangerous, but it can definitely impair your quality of life. So somebody might be driving and feel like it's, they don't, it's so distracting to drive or they're trying to take care of their children or do their job and it's distracting and it's worrisome, then medications might really help kind of settle things back down to normal. Wonderful. So my last question for you is, do you think these are more common in women based on some of the causes or the etiology? Or would you say, you know, I see them in both. You just see women, Heather, so you're maybe a little bit biased, but I don't know what the data shows and I don't know what you think. So, you know, I only see the people who are bothered by this for the most part. So I think women, as a general rule, are a little more tuned into their bodies and a little more aware of things that are going on that are a little different than baseline. Um, I also have a lot of women who have said to me, I'm afraid I'm going to die and leave my children without a mother, which, again, is not a dangerous problem. But once you become a mother, a lot of women feel the stakes go up. And it's, they say, I'm not here because of me. I'm here because I just had a kid or, you know, I'm worried about my kid. So women, perhaps, are more likely to seek help for something that doesn't feel dangerous. It's not making them faint. It's not making them, you know, gasp for air, but they're worried that it's an indicator of something dangerous. So on the one hand, I think women are more likely to come in. On the other hand, I also think women are more likely to go through times of hormonal fluctuations where they definitely become more frequent. So that being said, the original, one of the original studies on PVCs was done on army recruits on these 20 year old young men who wore Holter monitors for 24 hours and ran around, and over 50% of them had BBCs. A lot of them didn't feel them, but they had them. So long answer to a short question. I think they're probably a little more common in women, especially around certain periods of life, and I think women are more likely to seek medical attention. I think that's so interesting that some of us may, as you kind of mentioned a little bit ago, have these in the background, but sometimes we just don't notice them or et cetera, and other times we do. So thank you so much. I think this was a great, great, great conversation on an issue that I see so much in the clinic, something that really bothers women and that we could really kind of give in this nice little Cliff's Note summary in this episode. So I also want to let you know for these for the listeners, if you are listening to this and you want to see her heart models, go ahead and I will put this up on my YouTube channel, which is Health by Heather Hirsch, and I'll link it below if you want to see us talking as well. And so we will put this episode out on both my podcast and also on YouTube. Well, Dr. Lee Lewis, anything else before we let you go? Gosh, no, but thank you for, for bringing this out to women who, who haven't felt the need or not yet needed to seek medical attention for this, because I think understanding why these happen and what it means and that it's benign will be really reassuring for people, because I don't actually think there's anyone who hasn't had these at some point in their lives, and maybe they don't have a doctor at that moment or they thought it was they were too busy to seek medical attention. It's really important that people recognize, yes, our heart beats 2 billion times in our lifetime. Once in a while, that beat is going to be a little different. And if it comes and it goes and it doesn't make you dizzy or faint or chest pain or shortness of breath, it's okay to ignore it. But do take it as a possible signal 
yet you might be under a lot more stress or there might be something hormonal and tune into that. And then when in doubt, talk to your doctor. That's that's wonderful. So many good pieces of information in this episode. So thank you so much for enlightening us with your wisdom. Well, thank you guys again so much for listening to the podcast. Please feel free to leave us a star or review or a comment because that helps other women see this podcast in the algorithm and have a wonderful rest of your day or evening. Bye everyone. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Episode.